Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati. Brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. This week, I have Damien Porter with me to guest, a fascinating gentleman, uh, someone who has been in the Special Forces in uh, counterterrorism. He's also been a firefighter, is currently a firefighter, um, national bodybuilding champion, exercise rehabilitation physiologist, uh, police. He's been in the police as well as the army, just an incredible person with an incredible amount of experience. And we're going to be doing a deep dive into both um, health and we're going to talk ketones because he has a great ketone supplement and knows an awful lot about ketones, which is one of my pet subjects at the moment, um, and is also an expert in optimizing health and performance. So I hope you enjoy this session with Damien Porter. Before we head over to the podcast, just a reminder about our epigenetic genetics program. If you're wanting to understand your genes to get the user manual for your particular set of genes, you want to understand what foods to eat, when to eat them, how often you should be eating, what types of exercise will your body will respond to, how much. Um, if you want to understand your uh, makeup from a mood and behavior point of view, how your personality ticks, what environment you'll do well in, all of these aspects are covered in our epigenetics program. It's really uh, like getting a user manual for your body. If you're interested in doing that, check it out on lisatarmati.com and hit the work with us button and you'll see our peak epigenetics program. We also on there have our running programs, our run coaching program from Running Hot Coaching. We'd love you to check that out as well. We do speaking, we have books, we have our longevity supplements. These are all things that we do at lisatarmati.com. So make sure you check it out. I hope you enjoy now this podcast with Damien Porter. Well, hey everyone, Elisa Tamati here at Pushing the Limits. Today I have an exciting guest for you. I managed to uncover some very amazing people and I'm really excited for today's interview. I have Damien Porter with me. Welcome to the show, Damien. Nice to have you and I love the shirt. <laughs> I work especially. Thank you for uh, for. Uh, let me come on. It's an absolute pleasure, Lisa. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Um, for those who can't see and are just here, he's got an All Blacks shirt on. So, yeah, go the All Blacks. <laughs> we just had Conrad Smith actually on last week. So, that was really exciting. Um, so, oh, by the time this comes out, it'll be a few weeks back. But make sure you go and check that out, everyone. Um, so, Damien, I want you, if you can just give us a little bit of a background because you've had a very interesting life. When I read your bio, it's, you know, Firefighter, police force, special forces, uh, rehab, phys- physiology, uh, personal trainer. Like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the only uniform I haven't got is the ambulance uh, paramedic <laughs> uniform. Yeah, yeah, seems like it. So tell us a little bit, where did you get started and and and, and how has your career unfolded? Thank you. I think it's um, had three, three journeys and I interviewed um, – uh, a, a Delta Force uh, guy, a Sergeant Major, a few a few weeks ago, and he talks about you, you know what chapter of life are you in, what chapter <laughs> of life you're in, and um, you know we, we think we're at the end almost. But uh, it's interesting thinking about that question. I think there's sort of three chapters there, mainly in my in my adult uh, air quotes um, life. <laughs> um, you know, I was I was um, Bodybuilding was my my career, as it were. Um, even in the amateur days, I was 19, oh, 17 years old. Um, uh, won my first title. Nineteen years old, won my first international title. Um, wow. And that's where I thought I was going. It, it was um, looking fancy and muscly <laughs> on stage, which uh, is, is funny. I'll tell you the story where that progressed to. Um, so yeah, nineteen years old, uh, Pan Pacific champion uh, in my um, my age class. Uh, then. We, we started personal training back in the in the day um, at Les Mills, personal training in the world. So that's where I thought that was going, um, and it was really a bit insular, but but um, a little bit. Oh, it's a very selfish sport, but the personal training was nice. Really, you're really helping people and, and educating yourself. I moved into exercise rehab there, um, which was much more helpful. I think uh, that's probably going to be the the theme is helping others. Yep. In the service of others, um, and then I, I literally fell into the military. Um, uh, I joined the army. Um, the re, the re, they call them the reserves here over in New Zealand. It's the territorials, but yep. part time army. Um, and then in two thousand, I think it was, I went to East Timor and we did a mission there. 
um, in the full-time army that was uh, life-changing in, wow. in the jungle. Um, and you sure as hell learn not to be selfish uh, in, the, in the military. Yeah, for sure. Let's dive into that a little bit before you carry on because, you know, uh, East Timor, what was that like to be in? And, and so you were full-time army at that point. So um, yeah. what was your job sort of over there and what was the, what was it like being being posted overseas like that? Yeah, it really, really um, makes you a, a grown-up, I think. Um, we had a 20-year-old come with us. I was, I think I was... Um, I can't <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I, I must have been somewhere between 27 and, and 32 years old. Um, yeah. But when a 20-year-old come over with us, and I watched him become a man. Yeah. Not a 21-year-old boy. He had his 21st. The reason I remember it is um, uh, he had his 21st. And I watched him become a man. And because you're thrown into such grown-up situations, um, look, it's austere. Um, it's it's beyond third world. To paint a picture for yourself and for everybody, I literally watched a, a – um, a five-year-old girl going down to the river with a four-liter, so four kilos, very heavy for those little girls, um, to get water, and she had her two-year-old um, sister or brother on her hip. And that was normal life. That wasn't. Yeah. That, that was like going down and brushing your teeth. Um, it was. A, it was a great mission. It was with the regular army. I was with um, one battalion. We we're up in. Um, in a fire base, uh, very remote at about um, twelve hundred meters high. We go into the jungle, patrol the border for about five days in a, in a covert um, uh, patrol. Then we'd um, come out. Then we do um, blue hat or United Nations patrols, um, hearts and minds in the villages, making sure everybody's good. And then we'd have um, uh, five days back in the base, uh, and we'd just be um, lifting lifting weights, getting uh, getting fit again, and. Um, and we were, we were what was called a quick reaction force. If anything happened, we'd be ready to go. Wow. But I um, spent six months there. And it, what it did for me, Lisa, was coming back, it's very hard for anybody in a mission to come back and transition into normal reality or, or that reality. Yeah. But yeah. it showed me what, how good we had it. Yeah, You've come from such an austere and, and um, uh, like I said, beyond third world environment. It was just phenomenal coming back, and it really made you appreciate life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what you all take for granted here in the in the Western world, all our comforts and stuff. I can relate to that a little bit because you know I've done I haven't done anything military like that, but I've I've you know been to some pretty uh, you know really poor countries and, and ran through them and yeah. and experienced them and visited the schools and been a part of the you know things in, in different parts of the world and um, it you know sometimes it's absolutely shocking. I remember I was doing a race in a place called Niger, which is a, like one of the poorest countries on earth. It was a, a civil war at the time um, and we were running a 333k race through there and uh, that didn't turn out well for me but that's another story but um um, I remember afterwards we went to the school of sorts, you know, um, and uh, we were in a place called Agadez, which is the main city there. And it was just uh, the poverty was just phenomenal. Like we we bought all our extra things that we had with us, and some some of the other runners had bought you know lots of pencils and pens and things like that to give to the school specifically. And that when we get there, when they realise they don't have paper, <laughs> you know, <laughs> here we are, bloody Westerners coming in with our pencils and pens, and there's no paper. And I remember like we came in with all our lollies and stuff like that, and our you know the leftover stuff, and we we gave them to the teachers and we for the children but the teachers beat the children to keep them away and they took them you know like it was and we were just sitting there like holy heck you know we we trying to do something good here and obviously we're just not like way out of our depth and i remember this lady trying to give me her baby to take you know adopt no just take take our baby you take it you know give it a better life you know and it was just just heartbreaking shit hey? it was just really heartbreaking so and i can imagine you know what what you must have been through there and the and the the horrors that you you get to see. How did you cope with it on the, in that aspect? You know, ah, uh, you take what good you can. Um, you compartmentalize it like yeah. we do in fire brigade, like we do in police. Yeah. You compartmentalize it. Um, it's not like the special forces, which I'll move on to, but um, we we're fairly good at compartmentalizing it, I, I guess. Um. You know, I remember a woman turned up at our gates. Remember, we had a fire base. There's only 30 of us guys. It's kind of like Vietnam sort of time, yeah. you know, burning the excrement and stuff. Um, yeah. 
uh, I, this woman turned up the gate and her jaw was, was all broken and bleeding and her hubby and her um, a beating. Yep. And that was normal. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at this horrible injury. And I remember seeing it. Um, but you compartmentalize it, I think, and, and leave it there at the time. Um, now, especially the fire brigade um, and being a special forces, definitely know how to deal with it in different ways. But compartmentalizing it was one and maybe talking it through with your mates, which yeah. I think people can take away. Um, and, and knowing that, uh, yeah, you, you've gone in there to try and do some good, I, I yeah. guess. It's, but it's shocking, eh? Like, um, you know, coming from a firefighter family, I've seen my brother and my dad and my, my husband, um, you know, having to deal with, with trauma on yeah. a daily, you know, on the daily, like you guys do. Um, how I, I like, I, I, I hear he comes home and he talks to me and he, you know, he, he, he does share, which is really good. Um, and I'm like, how the hell are you dealing with that? You know, like how how, how are you coping it and putting that into a box when you come home to see your family? Like, how you how do you switch off? You know, and that, and that compounds too over the years. I think like he's struggling more with it now than he did when he was younger. I think is it starts to add up all that traumatic, you know, exposure to traumatic Absolutely. events. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, look, I guess because we're, we're we're almost transitioning to that here. Uh, stuff I, I love to teach. I love to teach from my experiences and, and from my um, my study. But how, how I think you deal with it um, is talking straight away. So with the the fire brigade or with special forces, we're small teams. The teams of four guys, yep. two guys, four guys, six guys. First up, um, talk it through with your mate. You know, in in some way, and then talk it through as a team of four, and then. Um, talk it through with your partner maybe um, and then talk about it the next day and just by talking that through it opens it up and makes it makes it real makes it less um, uh, up in your head bottled up it's absolutely yep. up in the head and then the other side of it is biological because that's psychological and mental but you know sleep is where we disconnect tr- emotions from traumatic events mm-hmm. so if, you, if, you, if you've been up all night and not, not be able to sleep of course, you're going to feel the same the next day. So it's, you know, all, all of us, especially the people I interview, it's about getting good food, getting good sleep, bit of exercise, yep. and um, having connection with, with somebody in some way is going to help you out. Yeah, man, that, that is, that's really good advice. And I'd love to transition into your teachings. But before we go there, can you give us a bit of a, a breakdown? How did you end up in the special forces? I mean, like that, you know, how do you jump from, from, you know, regular territorials, regular army, and then, then special forces? That's sort of an unusual career path, isn't it? It is. Um, when people ask me, um, I, I like to get the whiteboard out because it's probably the only way I can get it going. <laughs> but, um, I, after, after Timor, I left the military. I went, really went hard into the exercise rehabilitation side of things. Um, my background was with, with um, what they call the Czech. Um, oh yeah, Paul Czech. Um, Program Paul Czech yep. and so on, Swiss balls. People might know those. Yep. Um, but after about one and a half years, I realised, hang on a sec, I've seen both sides. I've seen the civilian, military, and civilian. The grass is green on the, on the military side. I really want to go back to that. It's a lot. You're surrounded by a lot of people. So I went back in the military. Uh, I think um, oh three. Um, and then it came up entry into um, the counter-terrorist team for New Zealand SAS group at the time. Um, we started up a, a new squadron there. And uh, 2005, I, I went in um, that inaugural selection and uh, a bunch of us made it through. Um, and we we started the, the counter-terrorist um, uh, team there as, as a standalone squadron. And that's what I did for three days. Yep. And uh, Sorry, not three, for three years. Three, three years, yep. Uh, and... Um, yeah, I loved it. It, it. Those people are selected to be a certain mindset. You got the physical capabilities, of course, it's a given, but a certain mindset. And I was just thinking about it, I think this morning, um, a lot of people when they're at work, there's one person they don't like. And especially if it's a big company, there'll be something that somebody they don't get along with. Yep. There wasn't one person that I didn't like yeah. or enjoy the company of in that unit because they're all so like-minded. And it was phenomenal. That, uh, that really made me into... Um, into a man, I think. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And like you, you you've got the the ter- you know the terribly difficult selection courses for starters. What were they like? You know, like your 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 oh. typical sort of what do you call it? Um, yeah, your, your boot camp type situations. What was that <laughs> yeah. like? 
it's, it's not really like that. So selection for special forces is a bit different. They don't stand there and yell at you and make you do all these things. You got to do all the things. You got to do it by yourself. Um, now our, our selection was a bit different than the, um, the what they call the green roll SAS um, guys. Ours was uh, task dependent, and it was made especially for counter terrorist. Um, uh, and that's a, that's a fancy term. Just think hostage rescue. Right. Okay. And if there's hostages in the, in the building you're in, who's going to come in and save you? If the hostages in the the, the jumbo jet you're in, how's, how are they going to come and save you? Our tasks revolve around that, and all I can say is pain. <laughs> <laughs> Mental and physical pain, and pain wow. beyond anything you've ever thought. Now, I've done a little bit of uh, endurance racing. Unlike you, I haven't done it over that time, but you and I will have the same um, pain mindset. It's just one foot in front of the other. If you had to think about 330 Ks, you wouldn't start that race. No, no. You'd about the first day or the first checkpoint and um, can you keep going? Okay, I'm having a really bad hour here. Can I just do one foot in front of the other? Or I'm feeling really good here now. I might help my mates along. Yeah. Or boys, I'm really, I won't swear, but I'm really messed up here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, that will hopefully pull you along. And that's what bonded us together. You wouldn't have got through it just as a singular person, but it is yep. mental and physical pain beyond what anybody could imagine. And um, and then still having, and this is the biggie, you, that's just getting to work. You've got to fight it. <laughs> yeah. You've got to do work. your job. <laughs> then you've got to actually do your job. And yeah, It's like 330K race yeah. and start work. And then you start working. Now, fuck that. <laughs> and, and how do you manage to keep yourself on focus for such a long period of time and, you know, you're persisting through all these problems and obstacles and things all the time. It's never an easy day at the office. There's no downtime. How do you cope with that without burning right out, you know, like getting totally burnt out really quickly? Do you mean do the you? selection process or in, in our normal work day-to-day? Well, actually, more in the day-to-day, like in the actual, you know, doing this type of work is Good, yeah. full on. You know, how do you not burn out from that and, and cope with it? That's easy. Um, we've got four tenants in the unit and one is uh, in, in one New Zealand SAS regiment now. Um, I know the, uh, S, uh, the Australian SAS has a different uh, tenants, but the first one is the unrelenting pursuit of excellence. Yep. Now, tenants, uh, that's how you live. That's the, not rules, but that's the ethos. Yeah, yeah. Those words are eerie-fairy, but what it means is this is how our brains are wired. The unrelenting pursuit of excellence is number one. Uh, higher standards of self-discipline. So your discipline is teaching and learning. That's, people don't, people misunderstand the word discipline. It's to be a disciple. Um, and those two things there will make you want to get out of bed, make you want to get up and, and smash PT next to each other. Push yourself and or push against someone else in PT. And then in this, in what we do in the shooting and rappelling and fast roping and on the boats and all those things, you're just trying to do your best and then be better than that. Yeah. Not just trying to hit a standard, trying to be better than that. You know, I remember um, my pistol shooting, our, our job is to get a headshot in the mouth. That's mm-hmm. a pretty small thing. Um, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it takes literally, we, We'd shoot millions of rounds each person a year. Um, if, if I got um, nine out of ten and one just dropped outside it, I, I'd think that, a, that is a failure. Wow. So I'd really be working hard and positively trying to get ten out of ten, not nine out of ten. Wow, that's pretty that's pretty intense. So how do you keep up, though, that, you know, like <laughs> I've just actually got a book by a lady by the name of Jenny Valentish, um, Everything Harder Than Everyone Else. And it's actually, I haven't, I haven't even started reading it, but Jenny's coming on my show and it's an interesting dive into people who do extreme stuff and why and how and what the psychology and, you know, what sort of problems we might have in the background. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know I was definitely had some issues when I was doing my crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still got some issues, but I'm not doing it quite so mad anymore. Um, but you do have that mentality as of, uh, you know, everything's go hard or go home, you're full bore. All the time, and I've, I have noticed now, as I, you know, gotten a bit older and wiser, that that approach doesn't always work. You know, that all or nothing, and that biology is much more nuanced than that. And that if you know, I, it was always just like, you know, if it hurts, just push harder, go more, be better, do more. <clears throat> now I'm like, um, 
actually respect the fact that you're a human being and that you want to look after your biology because now I'm, you know, older, much older, I'm 53, yep. and I'm like, I, I want to keep this functionality going for as long as I possibly can and have longevity and realizing that the approach that I took in my 20s and my 30s isn't really going to serve me now in my 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond. Um, what's your take on that and have you changed your your mindset from those days as a, as a special forces guy where everything is, you know, go hard or go home all the time to the way you see things now? Is there a more, you know, a little bit more of a, a change in that, that respect like I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's funny you say that because talking to a lot of people around my age, I'm 48 years old and, and I speak yep. to a lot of um, special forces veterans all around the world. Same thing. We're all looking for longevity, a bit of smartness, a bit of wisdom maybe, and yep. just doing things um, smarter, not harder. Um, <laughs> the, the, the great thing about special forces is they, they evolve very quickly as well. They're trying to be ahead of the curve. So, you know, what we did, um, uh, well, 12 years ago now in the unit is, is very different than what we're doing now. Example, the regiment here in Australia, they've got sleeping pods, like a, like a, um, uh, oh, like flotation thing, like yeah, flotation, yep. just for sleeping. And, you know, no questions asked, you need a nap, go in there, crash out, and you, they know that wow. that's going to allow the person to perform better. Wow, um, yeah. They're evolving, you know, back in my day, you know, you, yeah, you, you're performing the task hard, but this is, this is probably paint the picture of, of our mindset. We're going to go in the kill house, which is a, um, where you go shooting, um, you hostage rescue in there, either against, um, live hostages or, or, um, or targets and you're shooting the bad guy targets, yeah. you know, live bullets, live explosions, all this fancy stuff. Wow. Outside, before we get the standby, standby go, we're literally having a laugh. We've got our gas masks on, having a bit of a, ch- a, a chin wag, a um, bit of a joke, because we've got to be pretty chilled. We've got to be better yes. than the person. And then you hear this, all call signs, and then it's boom, game face. Yeah. You switch the switch, and then you go and do what you got to do, and then afterwards you switch off. So wow. we have that ability to switch on, switch off, have a laugh all the time, look after each other like that. And then moving on to now, my mindset's changed a lot with physical training, which I think is probably what you're going to, mm. is just be smarter with your training. Um, the science has evolved so much, as you know, um, yeah. especially in the last five years, even just with exercise selection and exercise, um, um, how, how you do exercise, exercise performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just keeping up with the times and, and yeah. listen to, you know, all the people that I listen to for exercise are young. You know, these guys are, are 30 years old, 35 years old. And if I was not humble, which human humility is, is the third tenant, wow. I would think, oh, I should know more than them. Don't listen to the young guy. But, you know, they're, they're skilled. Yep. Um, I guess I can probably answer one, in another analogy or example. Uh, when I interviewed the All Blacks strength and conditioning coach, uh, Professor Nick Gill, he said the guys are coming in now, 19, 20, 21 years old. They're talking about how can I um, – lengthen my career to make more money and have a longer all base career and then how do I get out of it wow. not broke that's not broken out of thinking now. Wow, that's amazing. Because I talked to, you know, as I said, I talked to Conrad Smith just, you know, not long ago. Um and he's, you know, of course, you know, a legendary all black with a long career and and he's now helping rugby players transition out and 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 looking after their welfare once their their playing days are over. And you know, he's you know He's seeing a lot of problems still in that in that in that space because, and he, what he what he was concerned about too is um, that we're coming in earlier and earlier and grabbing these kids and putting them into these fast track. You know, you're going to be an all black one day, and and all it takes is one injury and those guys are gone. And then I said to him, you know, because my brother was a um, professional rugby player and we used to have arguments because I was always, like with my sport, I had to fight for every dollar to get to the races to, you know, I remember, you know, qualifying for the the, um, New Zealand team in in 24-hour racing and it took me eight years to get there. I had to run 24 hours around the track every time and I finally cracked the the 100. I got 194 Ks in 24 hours and I was – able to represent New Zealand. You know, we didn't even get a singlet, you know. <laughs> there was nothing. So I learned in that process how to market, how to speak, how to get sponsors, how to bring people 
on board with my vision, you know, lots of skill sets that when I talk to my brother and he's like, you know, now he's he's different, but back then it was like, why are you always in the in the public eye? Why are you caught the media? We used to hide from the media. You love the limelight. And I'm like, I don't love the limelight. I need to do this in order to get to my sport. You get everything shoved up your backside, basically. You have no need to fight for anything, so you don't understand this. And, you know, um, now he understands and gets it as a, now that he's, you know, long out of it and sore. But that's what Comrade said too. You're in this bubble and you expect everything to be given to you. And you have a pretty big head often you know and and then all of a sudden that you have an injury you're out and then you've got no infrastructure no resilience nothing there you know nothing left and that's a dangerous thing i think for you know you've got to we 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 can't just make them out to be gods and give them everything we've got to make them fight for some stuff and understand that that could be taken away so it's good to see that they're already starting to to uh think about their post-career times because, you know, your careers are short, hey? This is this is the kids coming into all the actual the players themselves, which is great, but that's a, that's a a person playing a kid's game, Lisa. Mm. Sport is a kid's game. Yep. They're playing a game of kicking a ball around. Imagine being a special forces guy who, you said you use the word gods, these guys are the top of their country and some are mostly yeah. of the world. Yeah. Imagine them being at that level and everything's handed to them as well, like you said, and then they decide to leave and boom. Don't got no structure. Driven, yeah. yeah, driven people, they can achieve anything and then they're asking themselves to do it by themselves. Yes, and they haven't and got that. That's where they fall over. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then and also you've been in this ex- like you said when you came back from East Timor, and I've experienced this on a smaller, much smaller mm. scale coming back from extreme events, where you come back and you're like a fish out of water. You don't know who the hell you are when you come back to normal civilian life and everything's going on as per normal, and you sort of, you know, you know that sort of a, a film where you're standing still and everything's rushing around you, and you just don't get it anymore. Yeah. You know, for a good period of time until you 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 adjust back in. You do. You do adapt and adjust. And I know that process now because you've done it over and over. But that sent me into depressions often when I would come back from doing something extreme, often in a third world environment. You come back home. Nobody gets it. Nobody knows what you've been through. Mm. You, you tell the story and you just see this glaze over look in their eyes where they just don't understand you. <laughs> and they don't know what it is to run maybe 10Ks, let alone to run, you know, across a desert for hundreds of kilometers. They don't understand what you've just been through. And you're just like, and it, and it hurts, you know, because you're like, you want to share these new knowledge and stuff and, and you've got nobody to share it with. Um, that can be really, uh, and this is where the team and having the aftermath, having a team of support of people who have been through similar things could be really, really beneficial, I think, hey? You know, the team support, um, and then I'll go back to the biology as well, but um, literally I heard an interview the other day, I interviewed a Delta Force guy, um, Pat Mack, really cool guy. He does basic dude stuff. Uh, <laughs> funny guy. But um, uh, he said connection is the cure. Um, some SEAL Team 6 guys I talked about, talked about uh, the other day, they're talking about build a team before you go. And all, the team just could be your wife. Yeah. It's your team. But at no point in the military and no point in the, in the All Blacks did you ever, ever do anything by yourself. Yeah. So definitely connection and team. Um, but also, you know, you're running across a desert, the biology around that, the dopamine, the endorphins, everything kicking off. Now you don't have that's a massive yeah. void. Same thing for us, you know. It's normal for me to, to blow a hole in the side of a building, throw a flashbang, go and shoot the bad guys and try not to shoot the hostage in the head. That's normal. That's a normal amount of fun stress for me. <laughs> not a stressor. It's a, it's a bit of fun and I get some a good hit in my brain from it. Yeah. Now I have that yeah. anymore. And you've yeah. got it's a massive void um, that you've got to try and fill with something else healthily. Yes, without going, you know, and this is the dopamine stuff. And I've studied dopamine quite a lot in the, you know, the the, the addictive behavior, which I definitely, I have, a, you know, like I study genetics and I know that I have a, a, an addictive set of genes, basically. So I'm chasing dopamine. I never have enough dopamine. I'm always like, never have that sense of satisfaction. Even if I did the toughest, hardest thing, I'm just like, oh yeah, but someone else was better. You yeah. know, so there's never any of, oh, you did really well. 
and I've tried to to change that and to understand how my chemistry works so that I'm not a victim of that because in the days gone by I would do something massive be and as soon as I crossed the finish line it was gone you know and I didn't I didn't integrate that win into my life into my psychology and I would always be criticizing myself and then I'd be off to the next mission before I'd even had time for my body to recover and that's not a good healthy way to be you know um and you can transition that i've transitioned it now into my work and my research and my science and my stuff you know doing the same sort of principle way you're just going hard out to the point of breaking (laughs) all the time (laughs) just in a different way um and it, it makes for very motivated people who achieve quite a lot of things but it also can sometimes leave um you know, like my my family often says to me, like, you can't you just sit down and bloody enjoy the 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 day or hanging out with the family or sitting at the beach? You're always on a mission, you know. Get off the mission and just be in the present. And that's a problem for me. That's a real problem because I'm always two steps ahead all the time, you know. Do you have that trouble at all? Do you manage to now come down and I mean I do now to some degree, but it's always <laughs> some mission. Um I can definitely relate. I definitely relate. Um I'm always looking for the next thing to do, but um, I'm also hopefully I, I, I get to interview some amazing people and learn from them. You know, like yourself, as we talk, I'm, I'm learning and, and reinforcing things. Uh, biology creates psychology. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got to think that the way you are is from your biology. Um, the biology will start your thoughts and so on. And if your biology, if you if you got that void of, of dopamine, a void of, of those cool things, um that you used to do, then you've got to fill that void again with something healthily um, uh, so that those thoughts don't go around your head, you know, fill the void um, so that you can sit down and enjoy that time on the beach or at least be aware of it and then and then change the the, um, the thinking in your brain because your thinking will create your, will create your psychology as well. But look, I would just think um, being self-aware, being able to then self-reflect and then apply something. And if you, if if I can't do it, I'll, I'll ask um, someone that can help me identify it or help me through it or, or get their advice and then analyze that and then apply it to myself. But applicability, yeah. Um, yeah. And just it, trying, trying to get it right. I mean, always yeah. trying to, I don't know, trying to work out the puzzle. I'm five years older than you. I still ain't worked it out. So <laughs> it's definitely a work in progress. So. And there's good sides of that. You know, that's how you you achieve some crazy stuff and you push yourself to the limits and you manage to, to, to do a lot of things. And we need to in our society. And that's the way, you know, you sort of keep your head above water to a large degree. Just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast. Now, if you enjoy pushing the limits, if you get great value out of it, we would love you to come and join our patron membership program. We've been doing this now for five and a half years and we need your help to keep it on air. It's been a public service free for everybody and we want to keep it that way. But to do that, we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out. So if you're interested in becoming a patron, Patron for Pushing the Limits podcast, then check out everything on patron.lisatamati.com. That's P-A-T-R-O-N dot lisatamati.com. We have two patron levels to choose from. You can do it for as little as $7 a month, New Zealand, or $15 a month if you really want to support us. So we, we are grateful if you do. There are so many membership benefits you're going to get if you join us. Everything from workbooks for all the podcasts, the strength guide for runners, uh, the power to vote on future episodes, uh, webinars that we're going to be holding, all of my documentaries and much, much more. So check out all the details, patron.lisatamati.com and thanks very much for joining us. But um, so in your day-to-day now, so we, you've been in the Special Forces. Are you still in the Special Forces and the Fire, fire, fire Brigade at the moment or how's that sort of work? Yeah, good question. I, I, left, uh, I left the unit. Uh, I left New Zealand in 2009, mm-hmm. uh, came to Perth, Western Australia. Um, we all came here to make money. About four of us uh, came, a couple yep. of guys from the regiment uh, here. Um, I came over just for the, the mining boom and I fell into policing. Uh, did a couple of years in police, and then I heard about the uh, the fire brigade, and I, I joined the fire brigade and been the fire brigade for ten years. That's wow. I do two things now. I do the fire brigade, uh, two days, two nights, yep. and I'm 
four days off. I, I coach clients in uh, sleep, stress, and human nutrition. Wow. And I run an online store with um, uh, real ketones as well. So, um, yeah, which of, we were on. We got yeah, one exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the ketones. And, and look, to, on that one, uh, 2015, so I'm literally six years out of Special Forces. Every single day I woke up, I wanted to go home to New Zealand. I wanted to um, ram my fist down somebody else's throat here in, in Australia that was Australian. Sorry, <laughs> Australia. Um, I didn't get it. And um, I didn't realize that I was depressed um, and, and anxious um, because it has become the norm. And when I started taking ketones in, in 2015, after about two or three months, I didn't have the achy pain that I had in my um, in my old body trying to keep up, wow. and I didn't have the depressiveness. There was one day; it was, a, it was the first day I realized, oh, I don't really want to go home today. And then it was a bit longer, a bit longer, and you know, it's 2021 now, and the anti-anxiety and antidepressive effects of those are, are huge for wow. me. Wow. Okay, because that's something I hadn't thought about actually, to be honest, because I've been so focused on the cancer journey with ketones and stuff. But um, I, yeah, that. So is it because it's the blood sugar regulation, do you think, or is it something lower? What, what, what's going on there by taking exogenous ketones? So we're talking ketones yeah. now. We've flipped, uh, flipped topics here, guys. Um, yeah. uh, ketones are a fuel source. So if we give people a bit of a, a you know definition, um, a fuel source that the body can can take that is like uh, you know beta-hydroxybutyrate and acetate and uh, what's the other one? Acetate um, and, um, and the smelly one, acetone. Acetone, yeah, yeah. And and basically, when you get into a keto diet, then that's what you're aiming for, to get into ketosis and to, to have this fuel source for your for your brain. And it does a whole lot of great things in regards to cancer and also sports performance and so on. But you, re, you reckon it's also very beneficial for your brain, as in depression and, and stabilizing of moods and things like that. Yeah, you know, it's stabilizing moods. So, I mean, ketones were invented in 2013 uh, for Navy SEALs for one reason, only to mm. stop seizure yeah. while, they, while they dove. But um, in 2015, the research came out for a drop in anxiety, but the research came out for real ketones, 2019, a 40% drop in anxiety in humans. Wow. Now, you asked about the mechanism. It's simple as this. Um, Paint the picture for your listeners as well. There's a... A um a chemical in your brain called glutamate. Yes. It's excit- well. it's yep. excitatory. Glutamate. Think of your kids on red cordial, glutamate. <laughs> or, or Chinese MSG. food. Exactly. <laughs> um now when your brain sees ketones, if it's from exogenous ketones like I take, or doing the keto diet or starving, what they call fasting, yep. um when your brain sees ketones, it changes glutamate into GABA. GABA, GABA calming. is calming chemical in your brain. So not only does it just give you more GABA, it changes the thing that's making you excited as hell and anxious as hell because excited isn't very uh, clever. It calms you in 40% drop or 39.9%. neuroinhibitory thing. And, and so this GABA glutamate thing is just fascinating, eh? Like I'm studying something called ferroptosis for cancer, which is the, one of the ways to kill cancer cells. And you have to, that kicks the glutamate out of the cell, brings yeah. in the cystine um, and does a whole lot of other things and basically causes lipid peroxide of the membranes and then kills the cancer cells. So I'm trying to see if I can work out a protocol for mum for this. But the interesting is it kicks out the glutamate into the into the area so that can damage your brain when you do this process, right? Um, so so taking things like, you know, MSGs and your things like your marmites and stuff, this is why it's not a good idea because no. they are excitatory. So they're going to make your neurons fire like hell um, all the time and you'll be overexcitable as well and yeah. you'll end up with these anxiety and, and so on. I've butchered the, the science and uh, neither are you and I are <laughs> scientists, but um, I did have um, Professor uh, Dr. Dom D'Agostino on this week on the podcast. Oh, great. He, he yeah. was on a couple of days ago, legend of a bloke. Um, have you met Dom? I, you- I met Dom in 2016 and um, we were in Dallas. Oh, wow. You're lucky, man. He's an awesome dude, isn't he? He's very humble, isn't he? 
Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. He's just, so he was the one that discovered like with the seizures and the, the toxicity working with the, with the, the, the special forces divers yeah. to try to stop the, the oxygen toxicity that happens when these guys, divers are on oxygen under the water. Um, but then stumbled across that his ketones actually can inhibit these seizures for them and also other seizures, um, you know, epileptic seizures and other types of seizures. Exactly. And the ketones then can also do so much in the cancer space. So you now have real ketones is the name of the of the product that you have, um, yeah. and that's a a, a D beta hydroxybutyrate. Is that right? Is it yes, got any L in it? So real ketones has two products. Um, real ketones was the original ketone that Dom studied. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been around for the longest time, and there's 700 copies of it out there. Oh wow, that's um, amazing. Now, they've got two products. One's a straight DBHB. Um, that's a human identical um, ketone. Think yeah. BHB, just change the word BHB and for the listeners' brains to ketone. It's a human identical ketone. Yep. Um, that's one. And that's got some beautiful human studies behind it. But the one that's got the best effect on anxiety, the best effect on fat loss and weight loss, and then I'll go into the, the human brain performance, uh, is the LDBHB mix. Right. So okay, human identical and non-human identical. That. And they, with the non-human identical, they actually converts it to um, human identical. And then it's mixed with MCT oil powder, a dairy-free one. Now, that gets the longest ketones and the highest amount of ketones. Uh, it gets That's the one the, the human studies were done on, and that's key, not animal. Uh, publishing and PubMed, I just got the um, the email yesterday. It's the um, the poster was just accepted, and it's publishing in PubMed over the next one or two months. Um, human studies on thirty nine point nine percent drop in anxiety, one hundred fifty nine percent more fat loss in humans. Wow! The DBHB you're speaking of that gets a ten percent greater brain processing speed in humans. Well, I've noticed Mum's brain pick up. We're on the D. Are we on the D? BHB, is that right? Thank you both. The ones, so the, we, the, chocolate, the ones I bought from Trudy, our friend Trudy and uh, biohacker.co.nz. I got her ones. I'm still waiting for the ones from you, from you guys. Yeah. Uh, that's still on the post, which is taking forever. Um, I think it's a DBHB, that one, eh? Yeah, so the lemon and the grape and the orange are a L, LD and MCT oil mix, and the chocolate and the peach are a DBHB mix. Okay, I think we've got pina colada, might have been some older. Yep, so that's a that's a LD. Uh, they just they change the flavor. They just discontinue the flavor. Um, I, I like it, but um, yeah, the massive amount in, in, in brain performance. Um, yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant. Well, I mean, Mum's brain has improved. Like, oh, of course, she's been on it. Like she's uh, you know coming back from this brain tumor uh, surgery and has lymphoma. Um, so I need it for the lymphoma side of it, but actually her brain functions picked up. Like she, I, I wish I'd put her on that before, but when she had the aneurysm, you know, like I, I had, yeah. didn't didn't do exogenous ketones. I did keto diet, but I didn't do exogenous. Um, can you actually take like? Is there a benefit to taking exogenous ketones if you're not on the keto diet? I mean, if you're on a real high carb diet, it's probably not going to help you. But if you're on oh. a pretty good diet, but not a keto diet, is it going to be of benefit to you? No, totally disagree uh, on the, uh, the the premise there. Yep. Remember when it was, why it was invented? It was invented for Navy SEALs to not die underwater. Yeah. The reason Dom invented, uh, sorry, Dom and, uh, and Patrick Arnold invented the exogenous ketone, the, the ketone drink, is because yep. they went back to the United States Navy and said, hey, just put your guys on a keto diet. It's free and it works. The Navy came back and said, no white coat people make a pill because we don't want to make them do the silly diet. Yeah. <laughs> they want to take the drink regardless of if they've been on uh, whatever they're eating. They yeah. could have um, M&Ms that day <laughs> and then drink the drink and an hour later do the mission. They're on in- so in ketosis. Wow. It's relevant of the – absolutely relevant of the diet at all. You'll still raise your ketone levels and with wow. real ketones, it'll be the highest and longest ketone level. So it doesn't matter about the diet at all, depending on what you want it to work for. But um, you have the bit greater brain processing speed, you're going to get it. Uh, to, to prove that point, um, Trudy, the study was done on fat loss. This is where you get a 159% greater um, uh, fat loss. They put the two groups 
on the same diet as 300 calorie, 310 calorie on average restricted. Mm-hmm. It was on a zone diet. Now, the zone diet for those listening, I think is 40, 30, 30, I think 40% carbs, 30% protein, 30% fat. Now, that's a fairly standard, yeah. standard high-carb diet. Um, and they got, there's no change in diet. They were the, both the same diets. I think over 12 weeks, it was the 159% greater fat loss on the ketones themselves. Wow. So independent, man, that's, that's another reason to bloody take it then, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's, it's good for every bloody thing. Like if you can get in ketosis, like I couldn't get mum into ketosis because of the drug combination she's on, right? Because it's putting up her blood sugar levels. Exactly. And so now she's in ketosis every day doing this, even though and she is on a very strict diet as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've got her at around the 2.5 to 3 millimole. Brilliant. Um, which is pretty good um, considering. And, and that is bloody helping me starve the bloody tumour, you know, yeah. the tumours uh, that are, that she's dealing with um, and is a, is a key pro- part of that, that process that we're doing. It's not the only thing we're doing. Obviously, we're doing a hell of a lot. Um, but this is a real – and for high performance, this is also really important. So if, I had Professor Grant Schofield on the podcast uh, oh, yes, yes. a couple of months, but he, he's, you know, the fat-adapted athlete. Sky has written the book, What the Fat, and all that sort yeah. of jazz. Great and he, he too says, you know, that the – the the keto diet and I'm I would love to ask him is he's actually using exogenous ketones back then I didn't ask him that um, but he's getting huge uh, results with his athletes or, yep. who are fat adapted endurance based athletes so you know I never did it when I was doing my career and I'm like oh man I wonder like with yep. exogenous ketones whether that would have made a hell of a difference I wasn't <laughs> particularly well disciplined at not eating carbs because I probably because I I used to train ridiculous amounts, and so I'd be super hungry all the time. Of course. Um, but I always struggled, actually, like back then, more so than I do now with my weight. Like didn't matter what distances I was running, you'd think that you could eat whatever you liked because you were mm. just, you know, burning crazy amounts. Um, but I was fatter then than I am now by, by a long shot. It, it makes no sense. But, um, uh, you know, look at a, look at a, a marathon runner, at the Olympics, a marathon runner, female, and then look at the the hundred meter sprinter. Yeah, I mean, part yeah. of it's genetic. Like you got a genetic component of you know these ones are more androgenized. Usually, the um, the um, sprinters that have got more muscle mass, they've got leaner bodies, they've got you know often problems with their periods and all that sort of jazz. So there's a genetic component to the the body, the way the body looks. Uh, but the long distance running, for if you're doing it. When you have certain genetic, and this probably be interesting for you, like I have, um, there's this gene called the 9P21, and I have a 6G variant, which means it's the worst variant. It means I'm really prone to inflammation. So yeah. the, the endothelial linings of all my vessels and my gut and my, um, and my blood vessels especially are very prone to inflammation. So any toxin, anything coming in, my body's going to wow. go inflamed. You do that, you have that, and then you go and do ultra marathoning and you are, and then you add in poor methylation, which I also mm. have, um, and poor detox genes, my glutathionization genes, like my GST T1, M1, P1. And I have terrible ones of those. That's, that's a person who should not be doing ultra marathons. Yeah. And I did that to myself. And that's why I was always inflamed, always struggling with a bit of puffiness and overweight and hormonal issues and fertility problems. And, and you name it, I had it. Um, because that type of exercise for my genetics was really counterproductive. It's uh, interesting to information, Lisa, because um, ketones inhibit two inflammasomes from being made. Yes, the LP, what is it, R3, 3R three, something? Yeah, L3R, that's one. <laughs> a bunch of, a bunch of uh, tongue twisters there, but they stop two inflammasomes from being, being created. So, you know, you and I are probably relatively both prone to inflammation and it just makes my, my body a bit happier. Yeah, and you can probably cope with a little bit more training and get the adaptation, whereas, you know, I would train and then just be inflamed and hold fluid and so on. And, you know, because I was like, you know, head through the wall mentality, you could keep going and do it, but it wasn't healthy. And if I'd continued in that, I think I'd, you know, shortened my lifespan. And now, like, you know, um, just done the genetics for a, a young girl today, actually, and she's actually – got that a similar uh breakdown 
And so, you know, I'll be telling her mum, I don't want you to send her down the path of doing extreme exercise. That's not going to be beneficial for her health long term. Um, you know, and so all of these aspects are just so we we're way more complicated than we think, you know, and it's not it's more nuanced than, you know, follow this diet, everybody, and you'll be fine. Everybody oh. take, you know, everybody take a high high fat diet you know like there are there are genetics where having a high fat diet can be really detrimental Um, so but having the ketones in the mix then that and i'd like to do a bit of connect the dots on this part of it if you because the the real ketones they don't they've only got 60 odd calories i think in a a serve so it's not like you're you're going to put on weight no you take these extra to your diet hey we know you're going to lose weight. You're going to lose weight. Um, to lose weight. Wow. According, according to the human studies, you'll drop body fat. Um, look, go back to the endurance racing side. When you've got ketones in your system, it spares the carbohydrates or in the fancy word glycogen. So yeah. you get a lot, when, you, when you're not going as fast, you're, going to, you're utilizing ketones as your primary fuel source and fats as your primary fuel source. And if you're not fat adapted because you weren't, as you said, no. then you can't do that. And so you're going to hit the wall, you, 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 you drop out your glycogen. And then, of course, you use glycogen as you speed up to pass someone. But how I'd roll with that um, as an endurance athlete, you know, in my drink bottle, I'll be having exogenous ketones, maybe a little, with, with the MCT or powder because it's the longest one, yeah. electrolytes, maybe a little bit of carbohydrates because carbs aren't bad. Like I said, it doesn't matter with the ketones what Especially you can't your endurance. Yep. Um, and, and that would pretty much be it. You got, you, you're covering the bases oh, and probably a little bit of, of – um, uh, branch chain and or essential amino acids essential, to not, yep. not, not drop things. And that'd be your, your, your real drink. And you'd just be going forever on that rocket fuel. Wow. Got to, got to start playing around with this once I've dealt with mum's dramas. Can't focus on myself at the moment. <laughs> yeah. And um, the interesting thing with real ketones, like I said, we've got 700 copies. The closest copy out there, they are a two salt. So people um, who are new to this, it's the ketone bound to a salt. Now, salts... We think of sodium, sodium. What our, um, our food. You've got potassium, sodium, calcium, and uh, magnesium. Mm. That's the things you need to be hydrated. Real ketones have all four, so yep. it's hydrating. If you've got a ketone salt, there's only one or possibly two. Ooh, you're going to throw your electrolytes out, eh? Absolutely. It's, it's basic science, isn't it? Mm, mm, mm. And then you can end up with problems, especially if you're an athlete and you haven't got enough potassium or sodium or whatever the mix is. You need them and you're cramping and potassium and your heart's got issues. Mm. It's, it's pretty ugly. Wow. So this one's got the whole four in it. That's 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 really, really, really good. Um, so, this is re- so this is part of what you do now. So you do one-on-one coaching or over – is it online? Uh, yeah, I do, I do my coaching online, Lisa. I, I help. I, I love helping people. Um, a, a lot. So I, I coach clients on sleep, stress, and human nutrition. I say I teach them how to normalize their sleep, I conquer stress, and and human nutrition for what they wow. need. Majority of it, Lisa, is really sleep and stress. Nutrition's yeah. easy. Nutrition's a small amount of their goal, but when you get someone who hasn't slept properly for many years, and you get them to manage this, something you can't manage stress, right? To conquer their stress. They perform so much better either as a CEO or as a um, as a nurse or as a mum. Those mums they have it hard. Right they perform here. they perform better. And a sleep deprived mum, you know, to get them back on track is really. Um, I get a lot out of it, you know. Hell yeah! And because sleep is the biggest leverage point, eh? I think we've got a mutual friend. You know, Dr. Kirk Parsley. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Kirk's a yeah. great guy. Yeah, uh, awesome. You know, and and. Like he, like he says, it's like the, the the sleep is the key factor. If you focus on not not the food, not the exercise, focus on the sleep first, and getting your sleep hygiene right and your your diet right and your light exposure right, and all of these aspects is just the first place to start. The absolute first place to start, and then you can layer in the food and the the ketones and the the exercise and the right types and the right times and all the other fancy stuff, but. That sleep, like if you're not doing it, you're going to have. If you've got poor sleep, you're going to be overweight, probably. You know, you're going to well, have hormones. Well, poor sleep for one year, you'll be seven kilos overweight. Yeah, yeah, within a year, eh? Like that's and that's just one hour of sleep missing a night, isn't yeah, it? Exactly, exactly that. 
But how do you like uh, as a, as a firefighter? Like you're you you're doing night shifts and stuff like that. How do you manage your training if you've had a hard night shift? Do you um, you know do anything special to you know try to catch up on that, yeah, on that sort of I, stuff? I do. I'll answer that. I'll just go back a little bit. Just yeah. Just reemphasize how important sleep is for those parents that are listening. Your three year old would you would you let them get by on six hours sleep? If you mm-hmm. if you if you possibly think on that. You'd think that's insane. Don't do it to yourself because we are the same as this as the three-year-old, six-year-old. But yeah, so a special thing for me if I've had a hard night shift, um, I would a do a Tabata um, in the morning. Uh, it depends if I've, if I've got to stay up um, all night again, or yeah, not. So say I've finished my last night shift and I've got to go be a human, be a parent. I got to get my, my myself together. Um, I'd probably do. If I had to stay awake, I'd do a Tabata um, uh, session. So it's 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off, four minutes of exercise. I'm not going to hurt myself. I do the cycle. That's going to um, regain some of my insulin sensitivity. So high intensity. Wow. I'd do mm-hmm. that. i get the light exposure. I'd use caffeine in the morning, and then I'd use theanine and, and ketones through the day to calm me down. Um, I'd... Sleep depression. Wow. You get cortisol up with that Tabata as well, eh? Exactly. I need that cortisol up yep. in the morning. I'd use um I have my carbs low because on on the lack of sleep under five hours you're insulin resistant. That's yep. why Tabata. That's what I do to stay awake. Uh, if I had to be awake and perform in the day, because mum and mums and dads have to be able to do the job. Yep. Uh, if I didn't, if it was between night shifts, um straight away as soon as I finish that night shift, uh, orange glasses on. Because it's now nighttime in the daytime, orange glasses on, and a big carb feed and food to get me to go to sleep. Because I'm to sleep. Full. Wow. Um, uh, eye mask on, um, into into bed, uh, cold because it's in the day, so you got to be in a cold environment to sleep. So I'd have hardly any um any blankets on, feet out, um, feet and out, hands then, out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I would get up at about because I start night shift at six. Most most people that do not just do. I get up about three thirty, uh, have breakfast, and I train. I would do some kind of go get out. I probably start to walk around the block, and then go for a jog or um, do a circuit. But train, get yourself ready, have dinner, and then go to work. Wow, that's the gold recipe there that you've worked out there. You know, depending on which way you're trying to get your body to flip or not. But night shifts wreak havoc with your body. You know, like for those. You know, understanding that and, and and having a bit of compassion with yourself and knowing that you need to, and this is the thing you can't even catch up on the weekend or on the days off because it doesn't work like that. But you you can catch up to a certain degree. You're not going to get the level and the quality that you would if it was at the right time of the day. And oh, but you can do some uh, things. Actually, a couple of things I'd add. I, I, I miss them as um I definitely take the sleep remedy that Kirk makes um, yep. because I'm not getting it. I'm probably not going to get as a long a sleep as you said, but I want the what I do get to be really, really good. So I take right. the serenity, and that's got things like magnesium, theanine, tryptophan, GABA, all those things you need to sleep. Um, I do that, um, and yeah, absolutely. You, you can't. You just got to throw that night away. Bad luck. Yeah. Um, and then going forward, get a great night's sleep again the next night. Just get it right and. and you can't really pay back that sleep too much, but get good quality in, in the nights going forward. Don't let yeah. it compound. If you let it compound, like a, a common human would, is get the stress up. Oh, I want to stay up and have my time. I want to watch maths or yes. whatever the hell it is you want to watch. And and you've, you're you're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing your health a disservice, your brain. So definitely um, sleep is where it starts. It's, yep. it's absolutely key. It's super key for neurodegeneration and for cardiovascular health, diabetes risk, all of these cancer risks. Everything goes up when you're not getting enough sleep. I actually uh, use a, a whoop, you know, the. Um, oh, yes. I know the ones. Whoop, whoops are good or aura ring, you know, but I, I use the whoop and that tracks my slow wave sleep and my uh, lighter sleep and my, um, you know, REM sleep so that I know if I'm getting it or getting, you know, some quality in there or not, even if I'm Absolutely. not getting the time in there. Hey, Kirk, um, yeah, Damien, oh, Kirk, Kirk, Kirk Parsley, no, Damien, um, and you called me Trudy before, I think. That's oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I called you Kirk and you called me Trudy. Obviously, we're tired. Um, 
where can people find you and like where can people get the real ketones and uh, you know if they want to reach out to you for some coaching or anything like that where do they find you yeah thank you so much look um my website is eatwellmovewell.net um all in one word eatwellmovewell.net same on insta um reach out to me on those uh anytime you want if you've got questions and the real ketones it's realketonesaustralia.com just punch in real ketones uh, it'll come up um, probably in Google but um, yeah I, I love what those things do it's such a simple way to to help someone if you want the coaching for the sleep and stress side absolutely happy to help it's, I don't coach many people um, my yeah. partner sometimes asks me oh do you have those clients that sort of push back on you um, you know they're hard to deal with I don't because that I'm a pretty different individual. They've self-selected to come to me. Yes. By the time they come to me, they're ready to, to learn what I teach. And I teach from um, from um, facts, not from my opinion. But I love helping people. And uh, if I can help one person get their sleep and anxiety and stress right, then uh, I think I've done my job. Oh, you're gold. You're absolute gold. Damien Porter, thanks so much for taking your time today. I've really enjoyed this uh, interview with you. And um, I think we'll stay connected, eh? I yeah, think we definitely, and I, I'm going to have to punch some of your guests maybe for my show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> you, got Tom, you got Tom on before I did. I'm impressed. I know. I was pretty lucky. <laughs> um, I had um, Commander Joe, Commander Dr. Joe Dettori on um, last week as well, and he's an amazing dude as well. Also uh, uh, one of those crazy diver guys. Um military but he's also got a aeronautical what's he oh, i can't even a biomedical engineering phd and something else something else and he's worked with dom as well another very cool dude so you have to listen to that episode as well Isn't um, to listen to these people and hear their, their wisdom is just phenomenal we're so we're so lucky aren't we and they're all so hu- humble like, you know, all these incredible people, none of them are arrogant, hey, they're just just incredible dudes that you just like, like, you know, oh my God, you know, what have you done in your life? And they're just so normal, you know. So I'm I'm really grateful to to meet all these amazing people. So we'll have to do some swapping of connections, I think. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. It's been great to to have a chat. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com. 